Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. So in this special Valentine's edition, I want to tell you a little bit about my love affair with chocolate and, well, about our sweet breakup. No hard feelings, chocolate. I still love you. It's not you. It's me. I just don't need you anymore. But first, I just wanted to tell you that if you're looking for some free resources about cutting sugar and also about cravings and how to get rid of them, then download my five tips for getting rid of cravings, especially if you're an intermittent faster and you realize that sugar's getting in the way of making your intermittent fasting lifestyle easy and natural, go to aftersugarclub.com and download your five tips for getting rid of cravings there. You can also get lots of free resources on the Life After Sugar Facebook page, on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel, and come and subscribe to my Instagram account at mylifeaftersugar. That's where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, sometimes some inspiring quotes, or sometimes just pictures of our cat, so that you can see that it's totally possible to live a fun and active life, even if you don't eat sugar. All right, so here's the thing. Ever since I can remember, I've loved chocolate. All kinds of chocolate. Milk, dark, white, with or without nuts with or without any other sweet additives. Liquid, solid, in cakes and muffins, in brownies, in the shape of chips, chunks, whatever. I loved chocolate so much that when I was in the hospital, just after having given birth to our lovely daughter Lily, almost 15 years ago, as well as the teeny tiny pyjamas for her that I'd packed in my hospital bag, I also packed chocolate because the way I saw it, if there was any time that I deserved a chocolatey treat, it was after giving birth, right? And I remember my husband coming into the hospital room as I was recovering and his eyes looked down at the floor and he asked me, what's that on the floor there? Is that a chocolate wrapper? (laughs) And I was like, uh, yeah. Of course it is. I have to get my strength back, right? (laughs) And I also remember in my car and in my filing cabinet drawer at work, there were always some kind of chocolatey treats in there. You know, just in case. Just in case I got an energy slump. Just in case I got a craving or a snack attack. Or just in case something stressful happened at work and I needed a bit of soothing. And when PMS hit, oh my goodness, chocolate was always the answer. 
as it was when I was feeling down or sad or annoyed or bored or even positive emotions like feeling that I deserved some sort of a treat or a reward. And all those years, if you had wondered what to give me as a birthday present or any kind of gift for any kind of special occasion, chocolate was always the right answer. And over the years, I'd never really stopped to think about my relationship with chocolate because, well, chocolate was doing its job. It was making me feel better. And that's all there was to it. So you can imagine that it was quite a shock to my system when in July 2015, I finally decided to do a little short-term experiment, just two weeks, to cut sugar, flour and sweeteners from my diet. And that, of course, included chocolate. And I mean, I didn't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I know, I think I'll just cut out the foods I love the most. (laughs) No, it was a long process with months of resistance on my part. I mean, I certainly didn't want to cut sugar and I certainly didn't want to cut chocolate. But back then, I'd been suffering for 15 years with some pretty awful digestive troubles, including chronic constipation, as well as achy joints and frequent headaches awful PMS and anxiety, as well as fertility issues. Now, I never thought that any of these had anything to do with chocolate. Quite the opposite, in fact. Chocolate was helping me get through my struggles. So in my mind, there was no point in stopping eating it. But then again, what is it about chocolate that made me have this over-the-top reaction of, no, no, no way will I give up chocolate. No way can I get through life without it. I mean, now, thinking back, I recognise that I didn't have that healthy of a relationship with chocolate. It was actually a dependency. I can't say a codependent relationship because chocolate didn't need me because it's an inanimate object. But although I didn't recognise it at the time, I was definitely dependent on chocolate to give me an emotional boost. And although I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, what I am saying is that I wasn't aware of it. And, well, today I am. And over the years, that emotional boost that chocolate used to give me, that sense of soothing, that reward its role in all those special occasions? Well, today I've got other sources for the exact same things. So chocolate played its part throughout my life up until the age of 45. And although I still have the same human needs for soothing and reward and my emotional needs, now that I don't eat chocolate anymore, well, I've been able to find other sources that answer those very same needs. But how did I do it? I'll tell you in just a minute. Just before I tell you how I broke up my love affair with chocolate, I wanted to thank you for listening to this podcast. And if this is your first time here, 
Welcome. I'm so happy you've discovered this podcast and I hope that it will inspire you to take one more step towards your life after sugar. And I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. Just scroll down and tap on the stars to rate it. In fact, I just wanted to share a couple of reviews with you. And here's one from GMN USA who said, Netta is fantastic and her messages and interviews are spot on. They help me cut out white sugar from my life and switch to honey and maple sugar every now and then. I was craving sugar like never before after the birth of my son last year and it was affecting my sleep. So precious with a baby. I knew I needed to cut down my sugar intake and Netta made that possible. So inspiring. Thank you. Well, thank you for that wonderful review and I'm so happy that this podcast is reaching so many different people. And one other review from Grayet, also in the USA, who says, Netta is the best. She lives what she teaches. Thank you. And yes, it's true. I may not be a health professional, but I have something just as precious and that's years of personal experience actually living my life after sugar. And if you want to add your review, go to the podcast player where you're listening to this podcast, scroll down, tap on write a review and write your review. I love reading your reviews and I really take them to heart. It really inspires me to continue with this podcast. All right, so as I mentioned, I didn't actually set out to cut sugar or chocolate. Quite the opposite. I never wanted to give up all my comfort foods. And I resisted even the smallest change. And when I finally got out of my own way, I said to myself, okay, I can try this for two weeks. It's only two weeks. You can do anything for two weeks, right? And I gave myself a little talking to. And I said, look, Netta, just give it a go. What have you got to lose? I mean, I tried all sorts of other things and nothing had helped my digestion. And really, my body had backed me into a corner and I felt like I had no choice. I had to do something. So why not give it a try? And now looking back, that... That attitude, that open-mindedness and, I guess, kind of adventurous approach to things was the first step in the rest of my life after sugar. I didn't know it at the time, but I credit that open-minded attitude I had for all the wonderful changes that came after. Now, I have to tell you that During those two first weeks, when I first cut sugar, sweeteners and flour, yes, I cut chocolate, but I didn't cut cacao. And I actually learned how to make homemade chocolate by gently melting some butter or coconut oil and adding raw cacao powder, taking it off the heat, mixing it and pouring it onto a cookie sheet lined with parchment paper so it was like a layer of chocolate and then I'd put it in the freezer to set 
And then I'd break off bits of it. And sometimes I'd add nuts like hazelnuts or almonds and even some sea salt. And that would become like chocolate bark. And I'd eat some of that to kind of tide me over whenever I felt the need to eat chocolate. It wasn't sweet at all. In fact, it didn't actually taste that good. And in a way, that helped me. Because part of the problem with chocolate is that it tastes so good. And even though I didn't realize it at the time, my brain needed to disassociate itself from the good taste so that it could also disassociate itself from the craving for chocolate. Because actually, all my life, chocolate, for me, had been a synonym for happiness. There's nothing wrong with that. But although at the time I didn't really understand the brain mechanisms involved in the part of the brain called the nucleus accumbens, and I certainly didn't know about the role dopamine was playing in my feel-good relationship with chocolate, my brain was making these associations. And when I started training my taste buds to get used to less and less sweetness, including in chocolate, then that type of hedonistic response in my brain calmed down. And actually, that ended up being a positive thing for me because it helped me break that association between chocolate and happiness. But quite honestly, that association carried on for a long time after I'd stopped eating sugar and sweet-tasting foods. I remember one time having made this type of chocolate bark, again, absolutely not sweet, but full of cacao powder. And I remember it was in the summer, and I kept going back to the freezer to break off another bit of chocolate bark and another bit, and suddenly I stopped because I realized that I was using this non-sweet chocolate bark as a way to deal with some difficult emotions that I was experiencing at the time. And then I realized that even though my homemade chocolate had no sugar in it, my behavior was such that I was using the chocolate instead of dealing with my emotions. And I'd been living my life after sugar for long enough by then to recognize that I didn't want to have this type of behavior. I wanted to be able to cope with and deal with my emotions without turning to any type of food, sweet or not, chocolatey or not. And it was when I had this kind of breakthrough, this moment of honesty with myself, that I really started to break up with chocolate. Because that's when I started with the admittedly difficult work of actually dealing with my feelings, naming them, recognizing them, finding other types of coping skills to help me actually feel those feelings and process them rather than, well, smothering them in chocolate. And that's really how I came to a place where I don't need or miss chocolate anymore because I've replaced it with more effective ways of dealing with my emotions and my valid human needs 
And so chocolate no longer has this emotional hold on me. Was it an easy and quick process? No, quite the opposite. It was long and hard. But I think that was in great part due to the fact that I had to figure this out all on my own. I had no help or support or any kind of empathy. In fact, I was still bombarded with social messages about sugar and chocolate that were the complete opposite of my experience. In other words, messages that were telling me that chocolate and sugar were treats, there to make me feel better. It's so freeing, so liberating to feel like I don't need chocolate anymore and to finally feel like I'm responsible for my own self-care. That doesn't mean that I see chocolate as something bad. It just means that it's off my radar now. And it doesn't mean that I eat no cacao whatsoever. In fact, from time to time, I'll make my sugar-free hot chocolate, which is basically just hot water, a tablespoon or so of cacao powder, and some coconut milk or heavy cream. Stir them together and it's a wonderful, hot, nourishing drink, especially here in northeastern Canada, where it's minus 37 as I record this podcast. So I could go on and on about the virtues of chocolate and its nutritional value, but that's not my point. My point here is that I broke up with chocolate not because of chocolate itself, but because of my relationship with it. And it's a relationship that I didn't want to have anymore and that I feel free from now. And because I experienced just how difficult it was to make this type of huge mindset shift, as well as the change in my lifelong habits, I don't want you to go through the difficulties of that like I did. And that's why I created the After Sugar Club, so that you can get guidance and support and accountability to enjoy a healthier life by cutting sugar and chocolate if need be. And because I know that it's easier said than done and that just because you know all the theory about sugar, that doesn't mean that it's easy to implement it. And if you want all the health benefits of a joyful life When you cut sugar, and especially if you're an intermittent faster, and you know sugar's getting in the way, and making you overeat in your window, or making your fasting hours so much more difficult, because cravings are derailing you, then the After Sugar Club is a safe space for you to get all the encouragement and support you need to finally break your sugar habit for good. Because what I just told you about my break up with chocolate? That's exactly the type of thing we focus on in the After Sugar Club. In fact, we focus on your relationship with sugar and comfort foods. And if you know that sugar's always been a coping mechanism for dealing with your emotional needs, we get it. In the After Sugar Club, you'll get tools and tips to find healthier coping skills and habits for self-care so that you don't need sugar anymore and so that you can move forward with more self-love and compassion. 
it's not easy to change your habits and your mindset. And it's certainly not easy to break free from the diet culture. Which is why in the After Sugar Club, there are no rules to break, no guilt and no need to be perfect. We'll be there to help you develop the self-confidence to make the choices that are right for you. Honestly, I wish I'd had that type of support at the beginning of my life after sugar, but it just wasn't around. And now, with all my years of living a joyful sugar-free life, I want to offer you an easier path to your joyful sugar-free life. You don't need to feel confused and overwhelmed and misunderstood and all alone. So if you want to start your healthier life today, join us in the After Sugar Club. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the big green button, join the club. See you there. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.